Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Locked On Jazz for the 24th of June. Recorded at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. What the heck's up with that? Draft day is enormous. Jazz with three new guys late in the draft. Abaka leaves the thunder. We'll walk through the picks and all that. Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I am back in Salt Lake City or in Park City. I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and I wanted to make sure I got you. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz, it kind of, it's not as well prepared as usual. I literally just landed, got home, um, and frankly, I got a parent a little bit. My, my wife is heading out of town for the weekend, so I have the kids. Uh, so I kind of, this is my window. Uh, today's edition is brought to you by Utah MBA online program, the University of Utah's MBA online program. Chance for you to earn the same MBA degree and diploma as the on-campus MBA students in a online flexible program built for you. So, uh, check that out. Program today also brought to you by Devin Cash. Devin Cash is equity real estate chance for you to win two jazz season tickets. Uh, for uh, just your your greatness and also your involvement uh, with Devin. All right, let's go to our pins across the world today and and get this done. We're gonna we're gonna start with Samuel Lim. Sam Lim. He's a sophomore year in high school. I decided I needed to watch more sports. Sitting in art class, I asked my friend, current football player for Hartwick College, who the worst team in the league was. He said the Jazz. Going home that day, I looked up as much about the Jazz as I could. I even began watching their past games. At the time, I was a real underdog type of guy. That was seven years ago. Today, I am a major diehard Jazz fan. I try to watch as many games as I can online or on TV. I know a great amount about the players, follow and promote them on social media. I started an extensive hat collection and can't get enough of the Utah Jazz on NBA 2K. 16. Living in Syracuse, New York, being at college in Kansas City, Missouri, and having never ever been to Utah, it's hard to explain my dedication for the Jazz, but I will say their organization has great ties to the solid community with the admirable, clear mission of community development. The Jazz players are all great athletes, but more importantly, great human beings. I'm a loyal fan. I'll always be a loyal fan. I even say to my friends, look out, the Jazz are going to come grab the championship very soon, possibly by 2018. Sadly, they laugh. It's also hard when I walk in a neighborhood lids and they don't have any jazz gear i know it's a small loyal fan base mostly in utah but they should work on getting more getting to the fans on the east coast too as an opera singer who's sung for u.s congressman and milb my dream is to one day attend a jazz home game in salt lake and sing the national anthem meet the team especially gordon hayward favors trevor booker and rudy gobert until then i will remain an advocate and a super fan of a team all the way from new york city that is an awesome story from sam lynn in our pin across the world nice job and i'll make sure i mention anthem singers uh, and when those are, maybe you can come out of Salt Lake and debut. Or you know what, Sam, put yourself up on YouTube, and and get it done, 
and maybe I can find a way to send it into someone for you so that you don't have to make two trips uh, to Salt Lake, and I'll attach you a little story with it. All right, uh, let's get to the tip-off story of the day. It's the Jazz Draft Night, uh, or lack thereof, really. Uh, I got a little snarky midway through the night just the way things were going, but truly, <clears throat> it was a... Uh, you know, it was a pretty uh, mundane night for the Jazz. Uh, the story is George Hill. It's a, it's a fabulous deal that they uh, they got that deal done, and and now they now we move on. Uh, the uh, Jazz did work very hard to get back into the draft, but as you, if you were following me on Twitter, as I pointed out during the draft, with the crazy dropping of guys that was taking place. In the draft, it made it incredibly difficult to get back into the draft because all of a sudden players uh, who people didn't think were going to be available became available. Uh, The Clippers, uh, Memphis traded in and gave up a first-round pick for two seconds. You just had a a different environment uh, taking place, which made it obviously uh, impossible to get in. And actually, if you look, nobody traded in uh, that I can think of off the top of my head late into that first round. Uh, once those picks kind of were there, there was some treat, you know, the Charlotte Marco Bellinelli trade and some things like that. But that was done before the draft happened. Once the bizarre nature of how the draft happened, uh, not a lot happened. Uh, so the Jazz picked up three guys. We'll see how much we see out of any of them. Uh, Marcus Page out of North Carolina is, you know, they decided to just draft point guards. We decided to have the Minnesota Timberwolves David Kahn draft, not we just did it in the second round instead of the first. But uh, I'll, I'll just give you an attribute or two about each of these guys because I happen to know enough about them. Uh, the likelihood you're going to see these guys in Salt Lake. But Marcus Page is uh, – kind of what all three of these guys have a common thread is that they fit the measurables. And then the question is whether their games come around. So Page is a small point guard at 6'1", but he's got a 6'6 six, six and a quarter wingspan and an 8'1 standing reach. And so he really – he suddenly he's a little bit bigger than – he plays. Uh, he was, you know, national championship game. He hit that big shot before Chris Jenkins hit that shot. He led North Carolina uh, well. Uh, he's not very big. Uh, he's only 165 pounds. He gets into you defensively. In fact, Demetrius Jackson was at the workout that he was there, and uh, I, I really thought uh, that he he got into him. In fact, I went to that workout and didn't know. That the that he was supposed to, that uh, the kid out of Notre Dame was supposed to be this really impressive player in uh, and, you know projected in the last draft Express mock draft twenty fourth Demetrius Jackson and uh, I thought Page was better it was actually a kid from Gonzaga who just couldn't shoot that played better uh, in a lot of ways also uh, Joel Bowenboy uh, Bowenboy from Weber State's another one he's six nine he's got an eight seven five standing reach and a seven one and three quarter wingspan you guys probably know his story because he's out of Weber grabbed thirteen rebounds a game has an incredible standing vert at thirty seven point five and so he's an interesting. Uh, piece he's developed he's probably you know he was an unheralded high school recruit uh then finally when people got in on him a little bit he was already deep enough along with weber state uh he's he's really evolved he was a not he didn't hit anything outside with a three-point shooting and then uh he finished his career kind of as a 37 percent three-point shooter so he's really he cut down on his turnovers as time went on his passing increased he's on a nice upward trend you know i'm not sure uh whether or not that means 
the whole lot. Uh, but uh, at least is you know it's an interesting uh, pick, and we know him well, so there's there's a possibility there. And then the last guy uh, that they drafted uh, was is out of Cal, um, and I Tyrone Wallace. I actually kind of like him. Um, you know, I, I, I find him really interesting and here's why, because when you dig into his advanced stats, um, well, let me, let me back up to kind of the same point. So he's six, 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 nine and a half wingspan. Um, he doesn't, he didn't get a lot of invites. He's not high on the board. Uh, last year at Cal, you know, it doesn't look like he did much. He, he averaged 15 points, um, and you look at him, uh, what he did is he – but the year before, he averaged when they didn't have Jalen Brown and they didn't have Rab, he averaged 17 points. Uh, he grabbed seven rebounds and dished out four assists a game. And if you dig into his uh, advanced stats uh, on him, it's it's kind of crazy because what you – the uh, – the, the, you know – the level of which he was carrying that Cal team and then how he adjusted his game once they added the two bigger players to me makes him, makes him at least interesting. Um, uh, you know, again, I don't think any of these, I think the chances on most of these guys is, is slim and most of them, but you know, we're going to draft him. There's probably a reason. So let's get to it. So the uh, Wallace had a 31% usage rate in the 14, 15 season. He also had a 26% assist rate, and he also had a 20% defensive rebounding rate all his junior year. That's that's an incredible collection of productivity. Now, a great college player doesn't mean a single thing getting to the NBA, but um, he's at least interesting. He's not a good shooter, uh, 29% three-point shooter. So he's you know that's obviously what he's having. You know, he's really probably a great analogy to him as he's Chris Johnson. Uh, and then the question is whether he can figure out how to shoot. Uh, Chris had a great career, never quite figured out how how to shoot um, as well as he could. But he's probably that's probably a decent comparison uh, to who he is. But he's six six, active rebounder. Uh, you know, so that worked out for the Jazz. Worked out very very well. Uh, they've seen him. They've met him. They know who he is. So that's that's where the Jazz is. But the real story is quite simply. Uh, the George Hill acquisition, and so that's a the Jazz used draft night, I think, as uh, as well as they probably could have, and I think they have to uh, feel pretty good about where they stand right now. Uh, that is your lead story of the day, brought to you today by Devon Cash Equity Real Estate. If you use Devon Cash, he to buy or sell your home, Devin will give you two free jazz season tickets. That's not a bad deal. So the things you want to do when you buy a house is have Devin do a market analysis to help you determine the value of your home if you're selling first. If you're a first-time home buyer, Devin is your guy. He loves working with first-time home buyers. Get them through the process, start to finish, understand exactly what uh, is taking place. Uh, you can talk to him when you need to. You won't be dealing with secretaries, receptionists, coordinators, or everything like that. He doesn't rush his clients. It's a nice process to be in if you have someone who's really going to make you understand it because it's all you know brand new. Uh, if you're a veteran of this experience, you've been through it before, then you know the value of getting that market analysis on your current house, m- timing it correctly in the market, and Devin will help you uh, through all of that. Devin Cash, Equity Real Estate. He is, uh, and you can talk a little jazz basketball with him. 
So give him a call, 801-759-1495, 801-759-1495. All right, uh, let's get to the draft itself. Uh, I, a lot of things I think we said were going to happen happened, and a lot of things we just didn't have any idea were going to happen. The first thing I was couldn't have been uh, more incorrect on was I, I thought the deals wouldn't get made. Um, and in some extent, to some extent, there's some truth to that, right? Because what I said is actually that the deals wouldn't get made in the top of the draft, in the 76ers, Lakers, uh, Celtics, Suns, Timberwolves, Pelicans and Nuggets all took their first seven picks. So that's not that surprising to me. Uh, the eighth pick then is Phoenix. So Phoenix ends up with both Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. Who, uh, now Marquise Chris may end up being a three. So Earl Watson's got a very young team. Those are two of the youngest guys around uh, to try to try to figure out. It, it's an interesting if you look at the top part of this draft, Simmons Ingram. So Brown is a huge gamble by the Celtics. Nothing's gone the way Danny Ainge wanted it to go at this point. He hasn't been able to bust through and get uh, what he what he wanted. Uh, Chris Dunn is. Uh, gets interesting because they have Ricky Rubio and there were all these Jimmy Butler talks and supposedly they were very close with either Boston uh, or in some trade talks they were supposedly very close with Chicago with the Jimmy Butler talks. Uh, so now what do they do? Buddy Heald fits pretty well in New Orleans. Jamal Murray maybe is their third guard with Moutier and Harris. We'll see how they play that out. That's kind of an interesting uh, mix to see there. And then the surprises started coming. Thonmaker at 10 was a large surprise. Uh, Papaginius uh, at, by Sacramento at 13, though I do know of another team in the NBA that was planning to draft him near the top 20. Uh, so it's, it wasn't a total stunner. Uh, Atlanta surprised people taking Turin Prince out of Baylor, uh, probably to replace Kent Bayesmore. Uh, Denzel Valentine, I thought, was a little bit of a surprise by Chicago to go in that 14th spot. Uh, Denver uh, went and got Herman Gomez at 15, and then Boston stored uh, Ublisi at 16. So a little bit, that's where the draft just got nutty. Nobody expected that. And that just started the cement shoes for DeJounte Murray, which I said was going to happen uh, just to remind you that De- uh, Deontay Davis had the cement shoes scale up. Bassier had the cement shoes. So that's not uh, a big surprise. I love kind of what Philadelphia did, by the way. 24 and 26. Luau and Korkmaz are pretty interesting picks. And I like Boston's pick at 23 of Zizic. Those are guys all the Jazz like, so maybe that's why I liked them um, in there uh, in regards to winners. The big story is the Abaka trade. I... I... <laughs> So clearly, here's the basis on it. I mean, nobody's an idiot. Everybody does something for a reason. So then you've got to try to figure out what it is. So clearly, the basis for the Ibaka trade is the fact that the the Thunder wanted to uh, believe that they were not going to be able to uh, re-sign Surge at the end of next year and that maybe, moreover, he was just disgruntled. Um, and therefore, they decided to trade him. And to me, that, you know, that's a bit stunning. He's a pretty darn good player. They've reduced his role. He doesn't like it a great deal. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure I love the idea that the answer is simply to trade him uh, every time. What that looks like for the Thunder and who they are now, we'll touch on a second. But let me remind you that today's program is brought to you by the Utah NBA online program. Uh, life's busy. You've got a family. You're traveling. 
for work, your career's changing, your kids have this and that, and yet you look at where you are and you're like, I got to take another step. I got to take, to be as great as I can be, I got to take another step. And so how am I going to do that? Well, education's the answer. If I get an MBA, maybe that helps my career, but I don't have time. And there's, right. And the Utah MBA online program agrees with you. That's why they allow you to earn a world-class MBA anytime, anywhere. Specifically designed for the working professional seeking an innovative online MBA at a high level of flexibility. The MBA online program is accredited by the uh, AACSB. It's a U.S. News and World Report ranked it in the top 10 of the programs in the West. You'll earn an MBA that's the exact same as the MBA on campus MBA students. Yeah, but it's online. No, they've customized it and optimized it to be the best it can be. So, online optimization. Studio recorded lectures, weekly deliverables, and time to talk with professors during live webinars. But I, I lose out on the career, career advancement. You don't. They've got the Career Advancement Center tailored whenever you're there, uh, wherever you are in your career to help you. And they also have three-day residencies, group projects, classmate programs so that you can have that networking. It starts in February, May, or August. No prerequisites are required. Whatever works best for you, and they're accepting applications for this fall. It's the Utah MBA online program, 801-587-8870, 801-587-8870, utahmbaonline.com, utahmbaonline.com. So why did the Thunder do this? We just touched on it. It's Prince is is leaving, and so they, they feel as though uh, – or not Prince, uh, a bucket that they need to make some sort of move. Now where do they stand? So Oladipo is interesting. I don't love Victor Oladipo. He's a negative pack player at negative point two. He was negative point three the year before. Um, he only uh, he uh, he changed a little bit, or at least tried to. Um, he took seventeen percent of his shots as threes a year ago. This year it jumped up to twenty three percent, and he got a bit better. Uh, at shooting him, which is a nice trend, but his free throw, he used 10% of his possessions at the line. That dropped down uh, to 8.8. I think that'll be a really interesting thing. So I'm not completely sold on Oladipo. I give the Thunder great credit for their ability to continually add top five level talent without having top five picks. I mean, that's really, that's they deserve great credit for that. They've Cantor, Waiters, and now Oladipo, who was the second pick of a draft. They're adding uh, huge players. Oladipo, post-All-Star break, shot 35% from three. Everyone's talking about how he improved during the year. He shot his overall percentage better. After the All-Star break, he started 24 games. Uh, he and Peyton got separated a little bit more. He averaged 19 points a game, shot 47%, 35% from three. Now, if that's who they got, that's a pretty solid guy. That's probably worth discussing. You know, in March and February, he was at 20 points a game and really amped it up. Now, it's hard to tell with Orlando what's going on. They're out of it at that point. But he's a unique talent at 6'4", 210. So to their credit, they just added a really unique talent. For all we know, they just added Russell Westbrook back up. So Westbrook, uh, if Westbrook goes, if Durant leaves, if Westbrook leaves, give Sam Presti credit. They've built themselves a nice collection of talent that they can build forward with. Now, if Durant stays, are they still a title contender? And that's a real question because what Abaka did for them was enormous. He spread, they minimized his role. They weren't using him the same way. He wasn't the rim protector, but he still was incredibly valuable. And so 
to me, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that this necessarily makes them a better team. Uh, I, I think Abaka was a, a great defense, great options to be able to play small to five, and they should have used it more. Uh, but they had Adams and they had Cantor. He spread the floor while not as brilliantly as you might like, um, and he did lose some of his zest and at times disappeared. There's no question. And so they clearly were worn out by him. But I still think he had remarkable value. If you go look inside the advanced metrics of what he did against both San Antonio and Golden State, he was awfully important to who they were. Their defense was 1.5 points better uh, when he was on the floor. And his, their offense was seven points better when he was on the floor last year than off the floor. And now I don't understand necessarily what they're doing with their lineup. We'll see if they make some other moves and what moves they make. But is Durant going to become your four? That's a lot of wear and tear on him. I could see them going super athletic with Westbrook and Oladipo and Robertson uh, with waiters if they keep him, uh, if he doesn't get a crazy offer with Durant as their four. But that's a lot of wear and tear. Uh, are they going to play Cantor and Adams together? As they're bigs, you're starting to ask an awful lot out of Ennis Cantor at that point. So I'm not sure that I see uh, where and what took place there from a Thunder standpoint, other than that, to their credit, they continually are getting very, very high-level talent on their roster without drafting there. And I think that you really can't underestimate that. Uh, from Orlando's standpoint, which is in the East, so we're not as concerned about it, about it in Utah, and you can go to Locked On Magic uh, to get the latest on what happened with them uh, some, and, and what your feelings are about their deal. Uh, you know, They, I think, had to make a decision about Fournier, Horzonia, and Peyton, and Oladipo, and someone had to go. So they moved Oladipo. He was going to get paid first, and so I think that's a large reason why they made that change with him uh, and why they chose him to go. Uh, the, the next step of that is that they actually um, you know, they for all the talk of defense, they were not better defensively when Oladipo was on the floor, and so maybe that's a little overplayed, how good a defensive player he is, and they get a Baca. Uh, I'm not sure how entirely he works uh, with Vukovic, though I'm not entirely sure how well Vukovic just works period, frankly. Um, in, in what he does, but I do love the idea of Aaron Gordon and Ibaka on the floor together uh, and some crazy athletic lineups that they can put out there uh, with, the, with, the likes of, uh, with the likes of Frank Vogel as head coach. The one last thing I would say that's just kind of really interesting on uh, what's happening with, the, with Orlando is Tobias Harris and Victor Oladipo were a huge part of of kind of their rebuilding, and they've already sent those guys uh, off. Some other news in the NBA, uh, Ron Baker, Wichita State, was an interesting player. He signed a partially guaranteed deal with the Knicks as a free agent. Gary Payton has signed with the Rockets, uh, was kind of an interesting player. Boise State's James Webb III has signed with the Sixers. Yogi Ferrell uh, has got a partial guarantee with Brooklyn. Uh, these are an undrafted. Kyle Wilcher, who I liked a lot out of Gonzaga, has uh, signed with the Rockets on a deal. Um, those are kind of the big free agent uh, deals that were there. The second round last night, by the way, I just got to complain for a second. It was just kind of insane to listen to and watch. Everybody loved every pick. And maybe that is what this draft was, and we're going to find out. that It's what we all talked about the whole time, that you have – 
these incredible evenness from nine to thirty-five, or maybe even forty, and so that the, there just is not going to be the great discrepancy of player performance uh, that we've seen over the years in the draft. We'll see. I, I, I'll be I'll be a bit surprised if it doesn't hold somewhat true to form. Uh, Andy Larson did a big piece on this uh, on guys who drop in the draft and said that that. There's no trend to it. I I understand his research. I don't necessarily agree with him. I think that when guys drop in the draft and there's a reason, uh, and there were reasons why guys dropped, that's why I knew about it before it happened, um, I I think that that more often than not turns out to be fairly true, um, that those things happen uh, and that there's a reason for it it and it plays out. But I do think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if you look at this draft and you ask me to pick the best players, 10 through 19, um, I mean, I'm probably guessing at 17, Wade Baldwin. I don't love Sabonis. And then you ask me to ask the best players, 20 through 30. Well, I kind of like some of those guys. And maybe DeJounte Murray does turn out. Like Damian Jones and Vanderbilt's not bad. And Luau and Korkmaz have a chance. And... Bryce Johnson's an incredible athlete from North Carolina. Like I, I think there's an argument you could argue that 20 through 30 looks better than 10 through 20 or 9 through 20, 19 uh, in this draft, and we'll we'll see whether or not that turns out uh, to be the case. This is today's edition of Locked On Jazz, brought to you by UtahNBAOnline.com and Devin Cash from Equity Real Estate. Have a great one. Good weekend. Talk to you Monday. Free agencies next. Locked On. Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to Locked On Bulls and Locked On Magic to get the latest on their teams and more to come soon.